I'm sweaty. These always get me so sweaty. Like, <laughs> like I get so sweaty because I get so intense, and I'm thinking about you during the whole episode. I'm just like, oh, Peter. Yeah, and in a tight space. Yeah, with garments all around. Right. Exactly. You know me too well. Welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slux. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Deal for Real, and I'm also your host. Well, welcome everyone to the 33rd episode of the Interstate Gamers and the 26th game review for our podcast. 26? That's how old I'll be next year. Yeah, and actually that's how old I will be in, I don't know how many months, October months. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so... 26 game review. Excited for this one. Hope you've all been enjoying season three this far. Um, last episode, we discussed the ever popular game Fortnite with our good buddy Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, shout outs to Aaron. What a joy that was. What a joy he is, if I'm being honest. Right, right. Gotta love Aaron. Um, but Pete, you've been keeping up with your Fortnite skills since we uh, we uh, been been playing some Fortnite. You know, I gotta say no to that one, man. Uh, regrettably, because I think <laughs> if I did keep up, I would be a, uh, I would be pretty much as good as Ninja. I think. Um, I know he's very good, but True. I don't feel I have the potential. I think um, so. I've been playing a different game, uh, not as much as I would hope because of various life event crap. But um, I've been playing another game. Do you want me to tell you about that game I've been playing? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Pete Boy. Well, that game has been none other than the PC classic, Age of Empires Two. Hell yeah, I'm super excited for this game. I, man, I'm super nostalgic for this game, and I still love playing it today. Uh, I used to watch my dad play it all the time when I was a kid, and for a long time I was like, just like, can I play, can I play, can I play? And finally he was like, I guess you're old enough, son. Which I don't know why, I don't know why I had to be old enough. I handed you a beer in like a 12 gauge. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think you're old enough. So I took that beer in a 12 gauge and set it to the side and picked up a mouse and uh, played this wonderful game. And that introduced the era of Little Kev playing PC games all the time. Little Kev. Little Kev, which uh, helped transition me into the RuneScape era. We won't go through all the eras of video game, uh, but video game Kevin history, but... Maybe a uh, bonus episode. Maybe a bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to spend all my days, like, during the summer, while my grandparents came and uh, babysat me, I was just sitting in the back playing on the computer the old dial-up days. Yeah. You know, um, I just played this game for the first time on Sunday, (laughs) so uh, definitely not nostalgic for it. (laughs) But the funny thing is, though, um, of course, Age of Empire has many things in common... Age of Empire, Age of Empires 2, uh, has many things in common with Roller Coaster Tycoon, which we talked about in episode 3, I think, of season 1. Right. Uh, Shout-outs to retro Interstate Gamers. And yeah. uh, I told a story during that episode about my cousin Diego, who introduced me to Roller Coaster Tycoon. Um, but actually, he was really big into RTS games uh, like this one, and like uh, Rome Total War is a game that he played a lot. And also Stronghold Crusaders, which is very similar to this game. And I played that a little bit back in the day, but mainly I just kind of like dicked around in the creative mode. Didn't actually, you know, (laughs) play against anyone. Um, So this type of game is nostalgic for me, but not this one exactly. Right. And and I have a lot to learn still. Um, I didn't, unfortunately, because of aforementioned life circumstances, didn't get too far past the tutorial in a couple of uh, random games. But I do think I kind of have experienced enough to know the qualities of this game that we're going to talk about, and I'm very excited to do that. Any other stories before we dive into it? Uh, I think that will be it, man. Cool. Uh, So let me explain the context, as usual. Age of Empires 2 was developed in 19... or released, rather, in 1999 by Ensemble Studios, uh, and it was published by Microsoft. Microsoft owns the rights to this day, and they've actually been remastering uh, these games. I think Age of Empires 2, like HD or something, is just now coming out or came out fairly recently or something. I might actually have to insert a little bit of context here. 
Sure. Uh, Age of Empires 2 HD Edition is already out, and that's the edition I currently play. But they are they just announced at this E3 that they will be releasing a remastered version, um, which uh, will enhance the graphics and animations uh, significantly. And I'm super, and I think there'll be more content in it. So I'm definitely excited to play that, and probably we'll get that when it comes out in the fall. Yeah, so they're still, you know, they're still kind of milking the game for what it's worth, but uh, oh, yeah. there's a lot to milk because there's a lot going on in this game, as we will find out. Um, Big udders and udders, <laughs> a lot, a lot of farm animals in this game. Right. Um, I played the original ass 1999 Age of Empires two. You have played the HD edition, which uh, sounds like it's pretty much just like a higher resolution update, so not really fundamentally all that different. No, not really. Is that what you were playing on stream the other day or the other month? Yes, yeah, that's okay. that's what I was playing. Um, okay. It's essentially just made to fit 1080p and like 4K screens. Um, I think there may be a little bit of enhancements here and there, but in terms of the core game, it's exactly the same. Um, there's probably not even any like AI updates. There might be, but um, I know Microsoft kept updating the game and releasing DLC for the game for quite a long time. I think even up to like 2016. So that's pretty Dang. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a popular game. It seems like it certainly has the audience to make that profitable. For sure. And there's a lot of, like, uh, there's actually still a tournament scene and stuff like that. So it's pretty oh, cool. Uh, man, I wish I could remember the streamer that I've been watching. But he does commentary of matches and does, like, community matches and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Um, if I can, I'll have to post his... Uh, his uh, Twitch link into our like Twitter or something. But anyway. Yeah. I feel like I would enjoy that actually. Oh, it's um, really good. Yeah. So uh, in 2000, an expansion pack came out called the Conquerors expansion, which added, I believe, new campaigns and added some other stuff. I'm not too familiar with it because I actually just played the like original original, so not even the expansion pack. Um, so I'm wondering if there's some stuff that, uh, some differences that might come about. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there might be. Yeah, but we can hash that out in the uh, forthcoming sections. So, are you ready to get into gameplay? I'm ready, man. All right, well, let's do it. Uh, gameplay is uh, how a game plays, and in this game, <laughs> you play the game in a real-time strategy environment. Uh, what this means, for those who don't know, is that everything you do isn't, well, real-time. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but uh, it's compared or contrasted with turn-based games, Pokemon is one that we've reviewed, where you can take all the time in the world to make your decisions. In RTS games, you can't do that. Uh, the enemy or your teammates or whoever, they're all acting at the same time as you, so you've got to really know uh, what your priorities are, and you've got to be familiar with how things work so you can get everything done as smoothly as possible. Um, that's definitely a skill that comes over time, and it's a skill I didn't quite reach in the time that I played the game, so uh, Kevin could definitely school me, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but um, there's different gameplay modes in this game. You have your campaign mode, which follows uh, historical events and timelines, and tells them in, actually in a pretty interesting way that I would like to talk about later. You have random match or random game, which I think is like the real meat of the game. Like That's the part of the game that people seem to enjoy most. And, and even the tutorial tells you, like, now you know all the things you need to know to play a random game, so feel free to quit the tutorial and go do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, like, I guess they're not pushing the campaign very hard. But random matches, it's basically just a one-off game between you and whatever uh, AI or real other person uh, civilizations, and you guys kind of build up your resources, duke it out. Uh, there are different win conditions, too, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and there is multiplayer, as I said. I believe that back in the day, you could link up on whoever's server, whatever company's server, and do battle, which seems pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, I didn't experience that, but maybe you did, Kev? Um not recently. Uh, for the most part, I like to play um, on my own versus the other computers. I guess th this is how I played as a kid, right? I would get like eight teams, or I would get like seven other teams or something like that. Basically eight teams on the map, or maybe six, I can't remember. Um, but we'd all get on the map, and it'd be like 4v4 or 3v3, and I'd be like, all right, we're going we're gonna to team up against these guys. And it, I would basically build up my defenses really quickly, and 
that way I could like immerse, have time to like immerse myself in the world. And it became like each, each game became its own story to me. And that's kind of how I still continue to play. And you might have noticed on stream, it takes me probably a lot longer than some professional would to kill all the enemies. Um, but I, I like taking my time with the game because I think it's a really cool game and yeah. conceptually and stuff like that. So I haven't played online too much. I remember as a kid, I tried and I got destroyed. So, <laughs> so I was like, eh, I don't find... I don't find a lot of appeal in that. I find more appeal in uh, immersing myself into the world that is Age of Empires. One big part of the game uh, that's very important to the gameplay flow is progressing your civilization to a new age. So you start in the Dark Ages, and from there you go to the Feudal Age, the Castle Age, and then I believe it's from Castle to Imperial? Yes. Yeah. And so each time you do that, it costs a certain number of resources and you need to have built enough buildings from your current age in order to advance. Um, But every time you advance your age, you get access to new technologies, new resources, new types of warriors and workers and things like that. Um, I don't believe that advancing all the way up the age list is part of a win condition necessarily, but it'll help you get resources that makes winning easier. So it definitely is kind of a race against the clock, uh, the right. clock being the other players, in order to get that done. And um, it takes a lot to get that done. Like There's a lot of resources to manage, a lot of things you need to keep your eyes on at any given moment. Yeah. I was telling you this, I think, over text message, but like um, the, the very first day I was playing, I felt overwhelmed because the only game like this I've ever played is Roller Coaster Tycoon, which isn't even you know really, really like this Yeah. Um, because the setting and all that's very different. But um, in that game, I feel like there's a lot more autopilot time, at least yeah. um, from what I remember. And in this game, I was always like, oh, I need to worry about this guy, and is this guy working, and what about this lady, and what about these people? And it's, it's very, very uh, demanding of your attention. Yeah, I would say that context is a little bit different. Like, I think you already mentioned that, but it's kind of like, you know, the roller coaster tycoon, you know, you're worried about making, a, you're worried about your profit margin on a certain ride. Whereas, like, Age of Empires 2, it's like, Shit, this guy's like trying to kill me. Yeah. Uh, he's like attacking me over here. It's like, oh, but I got to get some gold so I could build this thing so I could defend myself, kind of thing. And you're like, oh no. And then, like, oh no, my villager's getting attacked by a wolf. Uh, kind of, yeah, like there's a lot going on more than just. Uh, I wouldn't say Roller Coaster Tycoon is really black and white, but there's, I think there's a lot more depth to Age of Empires' uh, real time strategy. Yeah, I think so too. Actually, I was thinking about this just now, like, I'm trying to imagine Roller Coaster Tycoon in a competitive setting where you're competing against <laughs> other theme parks because yeah. I mean that's that's what makes Age of Empires so different from it. Right. Is the fact that you know there's pressure from all these outside sources and I'm like what if you were building competing theme parks and guests would like spawn in the middle of the map and decide which park to go to or whatever, you know, and like what if you could sabotage other parks and like make their rides crash? Like I don't know, I think there might be a an idea there, but um yeah, it's it's very different from what I'm used to, but it also Kept me engaged. Yeah, uh, you were talking about how you felt that each random game that you started was kind of its own little story. Yeah, and uh, I felt that way too. And I I felt crushed uh, when I was oh. literally crushed by oh, two no. opposing teams. I was playing a one v one v one, and the two opposing teams were gathering resources way faster than I was. Oh, no. Like they had like you, you can display your little score right, right, which is you know mathed out by whatever resources and other stuff. And they had, like, quadruple my score. And they both came at me at the same time and killed everyone, basically, except for some villagers who were hiding in the the town center. Uh, And then they killed each other. And then (laughs) I was like, well, I'm very demoralized. I'm never going to catch up. And I was like, all my work was for nothing. And and, and the computers were on easy, too. And I was like, man, I aced the tutorial. I felt like I was really doing it. And here I am just getting my booty kicked. And I was like, oof. But... It made me like, except for time constraints, it made me want to keep playing. You know, right. like, like I really enjoyed the game flow. Um, I just need to get good, <laughs> dude. I would love a Pete stream of Age of Empires two. I would probably be your number one fan. I mean, I'm not, I'm probably already your number one fan, but like, oh, yeah, you are. I'll, I'll donate hundred dollars a month. Just be like, Oof. give this man money. <laughs> but um, to your point on that, well, you mentioned. Um, Kind of the pace of the game and kind of just uh, how there's so many different things that can happen, right? So I was watching 
an online community game, right? And and this guy that I was talking about was commentating. And these two guys, there's three guys in total. So there's, let's say, yellow team, blue team, and red team. So the blue team guy was talking to the red team guy. And, and this guy commentating can see all their chats. It's some kind of mod they can do to where he can see everybody's chat and like their screen and what they're seeing. He can switch between them. And so the blue guy was talking to the red guy. He's like, hey, uh, team up with me against the yellow guy. Um, he's like, but we're going to, but I'm going to tell him that I'm going to go against you. And basically it was this weird trio of like red was like just agreeing with everybody. He was like, yeah, I'll kill the other guy. And blue was like trying <laughs> to instigate like, oh yeah. So there was like this three-way backstabbing going on. And I think at the end they all just ended up just colliding. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. And like, oh, it was so much fun to watch. And then I don't remember, I didn't see who won, but it's just things like that that can make the game so much fun. There's just so many different scenarios and it, it really can immerse you into the world sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, you can even do that with the AI players to an extent. Like there's taunts and there's, you know, trading. And um, you're going to have to tell me uh, exactly how this works. But whenever you start a random game, I know you can enable teams or disable teams. So I assume that if you disable teams, you cannot later team with someone during the game. Or can you still do that? I think it works, at least with the AI, it works in such a way that you cannot team up with, like at the very beginning, you cannot team up with somebody that you're not already on a team with. However, conversely, you can remove somebody from your team and make them your enemy, and they will be your enemy. So you can make enemies against the AI, but you cannot ally with a new uh, AI. It's, yeah. it's definitely weird, but it kind of makes sense when you think about it. Yeah. I was just kind of wondering why it was that two AI teams attacked me at the same time. When I turned off teams, I was like, this is some bullshit. Yeah, they're Maybe probably just, just so yeah focused on you. <laughs> There's like because the AI probably says, "Hey, I'm going to attack this guy," and they're like, "All right, we're going to attack this guy," and they yep. both just did it to you at the same time. They got to do it to me. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about the different win conditions because sure, uh, because one of them is just wiping out, I believe, every single villager and military unit. Yeah, um, from another civilization. Um, another one condition is to collect all of the relics. Yes. I believe each civilization spawns with a relic somewhere in the vicinity. But if you find all of them or capture all of them from the other teams, if they're already in possession of them, then you win. Uh, in the meantime, if you just have a couple of them, I believe they do things like spawn money and do other... They give you like benefits, right? Right, yeah. So if you, if you get a relic and you put it into your monastery, that's where it's supposed to go. Um, you'll gain gold, uh, one gold per second or every two seconds, something like that. And that actually adds up over time, especially when you start getting more. But once you get all the relics on the map, then there's a timer that starts counting down. If that timer goes all the way down, you win. Um, that's part ah, of the standard uh, gameplay, like the standard game mode. The relics are actually a part of that. Or you can kill literally every aspect of the teams <laughs> or they can forfeit there's another one condition too i think i think i remember reading three can't remember what the third one is though um yeah i'm not sure i know yeah i don't know fact checkers <laughs> yeah check our facts editor's note the third win condition is to build and defend a wonder there's other game modes though i think there's capture the flag or some sort of some version of it. There's also like you can kill, you can have a king, right? Yeah. And there's like you could try to kill the other team's king, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, you, so you're like using your king to like run around, and usually you keep him in the castle. But yeah, that's exactly how Stronghold Crusaders works. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think I think the original game was just called Stronghold, and Crusaders was the sequel. But yeah, like that's that is the main mode of that game. So that's kind of interesting that it's a extra mode here yeah that's cool i'll have to play i'll have to take a look at that game see what that's all about the last thing i want to talk about in gameplay is uh the tutorial because i actually quite enjoyed it um and and this kind of goes hand in hand with campaign mode because the tutorial is part of the campaign um but i found that it very gradually introduced concepts to me in a way that made sense 
it was all narrated by a Scottish lad oh, yeah. because <laughs> the tutorial or a person putting on a Scottish accent, whichever. Um, because the tutorial took place in a Scottish campaign against the English, uh, defending their lands from the cruel English king. It very gradually introduced concepts, and uh, it kept me engaged. And um, it also puts you in different situations, too. Like, I, I was kind of expecting the tutorial to be, like... Um, Boring, right? Like, it, you, it would teach you that, oh, this is how you do this. Cool, now you've done it. But, yeah. but the tutorial is more of, like, a story in itself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's what I was saying. I don't know, I don't know why I blanked there for a second. But, <laughs> it's uh, okay. I, I was thinking you. about kilts. Um, <laughs> me in a kilt yeah like it made the t- it made the tutorial very engaging i mean it had like this beautiful presentation to it with uh, all this art and voice acting and everything and um and that that trend seemed to continue on into the main campaign which i didn't get very far into but the first campaign after that is the joan of arc campaign yes. and it starts off with a mission where you just have to escort joan somewhere right and like you don't have to worry about your economy you don't have to worry about all the the stuff you do and the random games it's just its own distinct win condition and i imagine i'm assuming that the rest of the campaign would be like that where you have like you know very different goals maybe not all the time but like that would be the perfect time for the game to throw you curveballs and say like now we're gonna throw some something different at you because otherwise why would a person play the campaign instead of like the normal mode Right. Right. Yeah, it definitely does. And um, the campaign is really interesting and the story is really good. It's based off real life historical events and the narration is really good. Um, It's actually super challenging. uh, So not easy to beat. There's like things that happen um, where like you're fighting and you're about to beat this one person and all of a sudden out of left field, like enemies spawn and just come at you and like, oh, no. (laughs) Or like. Wolves come out of nowhere and they just start attacking your villagers, and you're like, "Ah, oh, shit! I didn't plan for this." <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 really cool. I like the campaign a lot. I haven't played in a while because I still prefer just you know the standard game myself or like variances of the standard game, um, and, and chilling with my AI homies. But yeah, uh, um, <laughs> the campaign is very good, and I definitely recommend it to anybody who's playing the game for the first time. I agree. Do you have any other things you'd like to say? I think that's it for gameplay, man. Cool. What was your score? So you're going to... I'm not sure how you'll react, but or the rest of our audience will react, but I gave it a 94. Hell yeah, dude. I, uh, I'm i pretty much in agreement. I gave it a 90. Dang. All right. All right. Yeah. I see you. Cool. Yeah, I, I would definitely enjoy uh, the game more if I were good at it. Uh, kind of like the same thing with Fortnite. But like I, I've played... One game like this, that being Rollercoaster Tycoon, and I know like how addictive they can be, oh, and yeah. uh, especially like I, I felt myself getting pulled into the the universe of my of my game, like you were talking about. And I was like, yeah, if I spent more time with this game, I, I think I would love it. <laughs> and, and I really am interested in like having this game just as an option in the future, just to play whenever. Because like I've told you every now and then, like, oh, I'm feeling an RTC mood or RCT. Right. I'm feeling an RCT mood. Oh, but I have to do this other thing. And it's like, right. This game, I think, is going to be a game that I keep with me for a while that's good to hear yeah i think uh gameplay is definitely one of its strongest points yeah i agree having said that would you like to move into aesthetics aesthetics yes i would in fact i will start off with the visuals um do it so i think the best thing about the visuals is the ui i think the ui while not super flashy does a great job of displaying uh, information to the user in an efficient way. Um, you can also customize it in various ways to tell different kinds of different information, but like you always know what's going on, whether it be uh, you're getting attacked in a certain location or something is happening somewhere on the map, so it'll alert you to that location. Mm-hmm. Or um, just the UI, it was, it was very seamless, for, especially for its time, right? I mean... We're talking like really old computers that you're working with here. Like, it, it probably wasn't easy, but I think the team did a great job at designing the UI. Um, the graphics, however, in my opinion, weren't necessarily too impressive and haven't held up well over time. Even having the HD edition, where you know you can, I guess the pixels are a lot clearer. It's not still not the most amazing looking game. 
Um, I know for its time it might have been pretty good, but um, I don't know. There's probably a lot better looking games out there, but I don't think that's part of its intention anyway. Um, so, thankfully, they are in the midst of a remake, and will it will feature enhanced graphics and animations, which I'm super stoked for. And I think they're going to be adding a lot of campaign stuff and things like that. So I'm very look, much looking forward to it. But um, I would say the, the visuals didn't, they aren't super impressive. But the UI, I think, is the best part. You know, I can't remember what the standards for graphics were back in 1999. So I, I can't say with any authority, like, if these were groundbreaking. Actually, I know they weren't groundbreaking for a reason I'm about to mention. But, um, like, I, I don't know what the expectations were. I kind of disagree with you, actually. Um, well, not disagree, I just feel kind of the opposite, where I didn't like the UI very much, and I thought that the, you know, quote-unquote actual graphics were actually quite pretty. Oh. And uh, I do have nostalgia for that style of graphics, though, uh, because games like Donkey Kong Country and uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon use that same pre-rendered 3D graphic approach, which is the, the right. name for that term. Not, you know, pixel art, not really like illustrated artwork it's all 3d models that are then rendered at different angles and at different frames and blah 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 so i kind of do have a nostalgic liking for that uh, so i will ad- i will fully admit that bias um <laughs> on the ui though i noticed that i see i kind of would call it flashy because it uses icons for everything or almost everything yeah actually i think it does use icons for everything and then if you mouse over stuff then the little like hint bar will appear and tell you what it is, which I really like that. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty necessary. Yeah, but the reason why I currently in my noob status, uh, I will say that uh, I don't really like the icons very much because I'm not at the point where I've memorized what everyone is, and so like yeah, I'll find cool. myself having to mouse over things and like reading the description because like I haven't you know just memorized it yet. Um, so I think that. If you replace those icons with just like bars that have the name of the thing in it, um, I mean that can be problematic for other reasons. But like that might be a worthwhile option, maybe. Like mm. I don't know. But then again, Roller Coaster Tycoon does the exact same thing, right? And I don't have a problem with that. But that's because I've played the game on and off for twenty years. So I think maybe in my case, it really just is like unfamiliarity. But I, I think there is something to be said though for like the learning curve of a game, and I think that. Something like this does impact it. It's just up to you whether, like, you think that's a negative or a positive or neutral. You know. True. Yeah, I could kind of see your point with that. Um, I think it's also kind of the style back then to just have these just icons everywhere. Yeah, for everything. <laughs> it probably was um, like the style. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think it's everyone has their own taste, but for me, I I thought the UI. Me knowing the game, that is that is like one perspective, right? Like I know where everything is, so it is really nice and concise for me. And like I don't really have to read; I can just look, right? So that's it's a lot easier and quicker for me. And especially when things happen on the map, I think I really like the way they did the map. Um, you could tell where your resources are. You could tell where your buildings and uh, villagers and or people are, and the person that you've selected or whatever you've selected, and um, if you're getting attacked in one location, I thought all of that was done really well. Yeah, I enjoy that too, actually, now that you mentioned it. The mini-map is super useful. I, I did notice how it'll highlight resources in different little colors, and you know, every, every person or building on your side has your color, and then uh, enemies you can see if they're within your uh, range of sight, which actually, that's a pretty important gameplay thing that we did mention, but uh, units and buildings have limited ranges of sight, so once you explore a map, um, you'll ve- you'll be able to view the terrain of that map at all times, but you can't see like enemy activity unless you have people there or you know a watchtower or something like that. Um, which or, cool. or or let me drop some knowledge on the peoples. Oh, shit. Or you do proper research later in the game for uh, like in the imperial age. I think you can see. There's one research that where you can see what your ally sees, and that opens up the map a lot. Oh, I think I have seen that one, actually, yeah. And there's another research option that is, I think, the most expensive thing in the game to buy is you can see everything on the map. It costs a ton of gold, but, yeah, you can get it. And and the amount, I think, as the game progresses, the more the gold increases. So it's, like, definitely a really hard thing to get. 
Wow. Good, uh, good knowledge bomb. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wasn't also impressed with were the animations. They're pretty choppy, but I guess, you know, given the game, like, you can't put, like, intent... Back in the day, you could not put this much data into animations and graphics and stuff like that. Yeah. For this kind of game, you know, like, if they're rendering graphics way off <laughs> to the left for some horse to be running across the field, and it's super high-quality graphics, I mean, it's not going to run very smooth. And I think the game runs really freaking smooth, so there's something to be said about that. Yeah, I, I would I would take that sacrifice any day of the week. I would too, I would too. Um, man, now I'm starting to rethink my visual score. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this thing of, like, it's not impressive in its own right, but it is good for what they had to work with. So now I'm rethinking my score a little bit. Mm. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Kevbot recalculating. <laughs> but you have, do you have any other uh, inputs? I do, actually. Um, this one, I think, is one of the bigger ones now that I think about it. Um, so the way that you differentiate yourself between other civilizations is the color scheme. Uh, every civilization will have, like... It's, it's not that every civilization always has a certain color assigned to it. It's not like, you know, England is always red and Japan's always blue or whatever. But I believe that the player, like you, the player, are always blue, unless you're playing multiplayer or something. Um, and then other people on the map will be green or red or yellow or whatever. That's the way, That's the only way, at least in the version I was playing, the super-duper OG version, that is the only way that they distinguish between teams. So they all have like the same kind of armor, and every, the buildings always look the same, blah, blah, blah. And, I mean, that's kind of a bummer from a you know, historical realism standpoint because, like, the Japanese did not have the same type of armor as the English or, you know, whatever. So that is kind of weird, but I think, like, I can forgive it because it makes telling who is an enemy and who is an ally or whatever very, very easy because you just have to look at a color and be done with it. Um, I, well, it's not entirely true, but it is halfway true. So there are units in the game that are generic and most civilizations have right but there are also units that are unique to each civilization like uh maybe maybe the mayans will have uh eagle eagle like super eagle scouts or whatever um (laughs) (laughs) i said that completely wrong but they're definitely (laughs) eagle scouts like so you start out with a scout right when you're playing a standard game it's a guy on a horse the mayans start out with or the aztecs they start out with the eagle warrior and the eagle warrior runs around in an eagle costume with a spear, and he's pretty fast, but he's on foot. And there's only like two people that can get eagle warriors. So there's different troops and stuff like that. But the for like the main barracks and like horsemen and stuff like that, um, yeah, the two-handed swordsmen, the archers, all of that are pretty much the same. There are sometimes uh, variances, which I think is something unique to uh, Age of Empires 2 because in Age of Empires... They didn't actually implement that. And as they created more expansion packs, they started to make those uh, more and more unique. Um, yeah, It's pretty cool to see some of the unique warriors. And to, even further to that point, some civilizations cannot have certain units. Like some of them can't have paladins or cavaliers or two-handed swordsmen, right? Some of them have, like, oh, we can have these really souped-up archers, but we might not be able to have horsemen at all. We can't even build a stable. So it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I guess that was another gameplay thing we didn't mention, is that different civilizations have different skill sets, yeah. unit availability, and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's the thing we should have filed under gameplay, but there we go. Um, right. Yeah, and, and I remembered after you started talking about the unique units that for example, in the Scottish tutorial campaign, at some point you do get access to a, a Highland Raider, I think is the class. Right. And they're like very obviously like a unique Scottish uh, unit, and that's totally true. But like, it takes a while, I think, for the player to get to that point where they get... Um, like if you're starting from, a, starting from scratch, Dark Ages, random game, it, I do think it takes a while for like those differences to become apparent. So at least in the beginning of games, it's kind of like kind of weird to see pretty much the same units everywhere. Right. So I got one more thing to say, uh, and this is a big positive for me. Um, I was talking about the presentation of the tutorial on the campaign earlier, and I think my favorite part of it, besides the voice acting, which obviously will go under the 
audio section is that uh, the campaign, or at least the tutorial, has like um, kind of not really cutscenes, but before you start a mission, it'll introduce the context with a bunch of really cool illustrations. Uh, in the case of the tutorial, it was um, kind of like maybe not charcoal necessarily, but very um, impressionistic sketches of like William Wallace and the soldiers yeah. and the environment and everything. And I was like, this is really freaking cool. Like, yeah. I don't know, it just adds so much flavor to it. Mm. Um, and that combined with the voice acting you get once you start the game, it just m- really made for a very effective presentation. So that was a step above and beyond that I really enjoyed. I agree, man. The art, artistic depictions of like what's going on in the campaign are really good. Yeah. As that flavor. Flavor. Um, so that being said, um, I've said everything I think I could say on visuals, and I think you've convinced me to even raise my score on visuals. Oh, shit. Um, so, what did you give visuals? I gave visuals an 85. 85, nice. Yeah. I gave mine an 80. What was your original score? <laughs> 79. It was a 73. Oh, that's a pretty big increase. Yeah, it is a pretty big increase. I didn't, I didn't really consider everything there was to consider. But I remember gaming back in those days as as best I can, and it's, it never was anything too sophisticated. So when I look at this game and how it survived over the years and uh, how the graphics really haven't changed that much since then, um, I would say you know, it, it did pretty well for itself. Yeah. But not, not overly impressive, but an 80 is a solid score for it, I think. I agree. I would not, uh, I would not be offended by an 80. Yeah. So moving on to the audio... Um, I'll take it away from, actually... You'll take it away from me. I'll take it away from you, and then no. throw it right back at you. Oh, shit. Caught it. And then let you uh, take it from here. Pass me the rock. So, uh, audio. Um, th- this is something I was wondering about, uh, because there's not too much music in the bass-ass, original-ass, 1999-ass-ass-ass <laughs> uh, Age of Empires 2. And I noticed that when you were playing Age of Empires 2 HD version on stream, there were some pretty funky jams going on when you were exploring and you know managing your town. But uh, I didn't hear any of that when I was playing. And I looked in the options, and I didn't see anything related to music volume. Well, I did, but I think it was just menu music and stuff. Right. Um, so that may be a version difference. Um, the thing is, though, that like... I think that if if I didn't know that there was like music introduced at some point in the future, I don't think I would have missed it. Because like the game itself is very engrossing just on its own with everything else it has to offer that I wasn't like, oh, I could really go for some like whatever civilization music right now. Like I didn't really think that. Right. Yeah, but the the other music that was present in the game, uh I wasn't really wowed by and granted I didn't hear like a ton of it. But there was some like little menu music and music transitioning from one scene to another, and I think there might have been some music during like the campaign uh, presentations, but I don't really remember it. So if there was, I guess it wasn't very memorable. <laughs> right. It didn't seem like the type of game that needed to have a ton of music. So I think it's kind of like a it makes sense. Right. I think what's happening here is so there. The Conqueror's Expansion Pack is is pretty old as well. Um, yes. And I think that's what you need to open up the game more. And that's kind of sad that that's the case, but I think later on they just... DLC wasn't like it is now. I think DLC was a little more genuine back then. They are probably like, oh, we could probably add a lot more to this game. Um, so the Conqueror's Expansion Pack was the game that I had when I was a child. Like, that's yeah. the only version of Age of Empires 2 that I ever played. So it does have like some of those funky beats you were talking about. Mm. Um, but with like the pretty cool percussion going on in the background, you're like, oh yeah. So I don't actually know any other um, music, but um, the DLC does add a lot of Civilization-specific music. And some of the soundtracks are actually straight fire. Like, yeah. don't, don't get it <laughs> twisted. Like, I they're pretty. It. They're pretty freaking good. Um, that's the one thing I did notice when I was... I fired up my uh, Age of Empires real quick before coming on to this episode. And uh, I didn't get to notice the music too much when playing on stream for some reason. 
But I think when I bought the DLC packs, um, it added some more music options. So that was pretty cool to see. Another thing is, uh, oh, I wrote down that uh, overall the sound soundtrack is quite lacking, but there are a few tracks you could still whip and nay-nay to. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you better believe that I do. Good verbiage. Yeah. Whip and nice. nay-nay. But uh, I think the sounds are really good in this game. Um, yeah. They they just also display information in a really good way, like when like someone's attacking you, yeah. <laughs> or like oh, I hate that sound. yeah, you get stressed when you hear that sound, and then like what? when you're getting attacked over and over again and just getting overwhelmed, it's just like so much stress is taking <laughs> over you because of that sound. But um, it's a really good way to like tell you, hey, there's a there's a huge problem here. You should probably see about it. Um, there's also the one that gives you a lot of stress and anxiety of when a monk is trying to convert you. I don't know if you've had that happening. I have not. But a monk will come up to your uh, in, uh, like your unit or your soldier and start like converting it to their side. Oh, and that's just the worst. Because not only do you lose a unit, but they have your unit. And now it's like, <laughs> it's like he becomes possessed. He like he yeah. gets taken over, and he just turns around and starts attacking you. You're like, "Oh God, Billy! Oh God!" <laughs> you just try to fend him off, and so there's a sound that plays when that happens, and you're just like, "Oh God, no!" And like, if you don't have the proper research, your unit will get converted pretty quickly. So you have to like navigate over to where that is, and you're never really sure where it is. So you're just like, "Where is it?" <laughs> And so it gets pretty stressful, but the audio does a good job of, or the sounds of the game does a good job of creating that urgency or yeah. letting you know that something has expired or depleted. Yeah, there's a bunch of examples of that too. Like uh, one I heard a lot was a farm expiring. So whenever yeah. that happens, they have to like reseed the farm. Right. And uh, yeah, like every time a villager is created, they make a distinct noise from a uh, unit being, or a military unit rather, being created. So, yeah, it's not just, like, urgent situations. It's also just random other crap going on, which is great because, you know, you could be mousing around, like, the map, uh, getting your, what's the word, scout cavalry. Yeah. You know, you could get them exploring, and you could be doing all that. And then you just hear these little reminders that are uh, also reinforced by the UI, you know, literally telling you. Yeah. But if you don't feel like moving your eyes, you know, a millimeter to the left, you can just <laughs> keep keep working and use the sounds to alert you. So I really do appreciate that. I found that to be a very, very good use of sound. And uh, also, in terms of sound, the little voice clips that your people make is yeah. very entertaining to me. Like, I I didn't get tired of that in the span that I played. Yeah. Um, in fact, whenever I played as the Japanese and they said, Nani, I was like, oh, it's like the meme. <laughs> it's like the meme. For those who don't know, Nani is Japanese for, like, what, basically, like, when someone gets your attention, you're like, Nani, like, what do you, what do you want, what... What do you want to say? Nani? Um, but there's this joke in anime where, like, characters will go, Nani? Like, when some very dramatic thing happens. So I'm not making fun of <laughs> Japanese in general. I'm making fun of this, like, anime thing. So don't right. don't hate at me. But right. uh, that, that was pretty entertaining. And there's, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I played as the Scots and the Goths and the Japanese, and they all sounded different. I'm sure that the other, like, 12 civs all sound different, too. So um, that was a really neat touch. I really like uh, some of the civilizations and the sounds that they make. Like Tisvar, I, I don't, I don't know which one does that. I think it's the Teutons, but uh, or the Vikings, or I don't know. They're just all so good. <laughs> um, couple of that in with the voice acting. Um, yeah, that I think this game did really good with the audio, especially when you consider the DLC. However, it is kind of sad that you have to consider the DLC, and I didn't realize that the very, very base game of Age of Empires was bare in this aspect. I, I didn't realize that the Conqueror's expansion probably enhances that. I, I don't know. Fact-checkers might have to keep me straight on that, but... Uh, I haven't heard any in-game music in the hours I played, so I think it is the expansion pack. Okay. Well, I think this game did about as good in audio as it did visuals. Maybe a little bit better for me in terms of audio than visuals. Um, but, yeah. I think really well done for its time. I think so, too. I think I'm ready to give my young score, if you are. Hell yeah. Well, uh, I gave audio actually the same score as visuals to enhance the point that you just made. <laughs> so I gave audio an 85. 
85. Um, I gave it the same score. Dang, dude, we're like two peas in a pod. I know, and actually, so when we had considered the visuals and the audio, at first I was like, I think I started out as 73 and 80, but now I'm up to 80 and 85. So I'm, I'm on that, that five life right now, except for the gameplay. But yeah, so I think that brings the aesthetics rating to an 82.5. So not too shabby for me. And for me, it is an 85, so uh, very close. <laughs> right. So moving on to content. Content. Um, why don't I take it away here? And I will say that I kind of put the content on the same caliber as Roller Coaster Tycoon. Maybe, maybe a little bit of bias aside, I might say it has a little bit more content in terms of what you can do within the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's there's several different game modes. There's a campaign. There's like a whole storyline to all of these campaigns. There's a place where you can go and look up the history. There's a map editor. There's online multiplayer. Like there's a lot more content in this game than there was Roller Coaster Tycoon. But you can consider it to be on like in the same ballpark as Roller Coaster Tycoon. I would say so. I I am impressed by pretty much everything the game has to offer. That you said, you know, the different modes and all that stuff. Especially the customization. Uh, IG Avid fans will know that I am a customized boy. Yes. And uh, the map editor, I didn't actually get into it, but I'm sure that uh, I that I would enjoy it. Uh, I love the fact that it's there, you know, first and foremost. Right. And uh, the random games have a ton of different options as well. Like, you can customize almost every aspect of it. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying about it being a similar type of content as RCT. And uh, I think that's because it's... Uh, it's, it's kind of less... I think in RCT we were talking about how it's a game you can play the way that you want. Um, I think that's a little less applicable here because of the pressures that enemies put on you. So, you know, you have to do certain types of things if you want to survive. Um, but the sheer amount of replay value in terms of playing as a different Civ that has a different skill set yeah. or playing on a different map or playing with three or, you know, ten enemies or whatever. I don't know if you can play with ten enemies. That might be a little cray-cray. But you know what I mean? Like it's there's so much replay value. I feel that I sort of offsets the more I don't want to say linear, but the more like defined game path. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, there's just so much you can do that. I mean, if if you uh, if none of this that we've already discussed tickles your fancy, you can even install mods. Yeah, in the game, like that's that's pretty insane. And if that doesn't tickle your fancy, there's DLC that you can download that just expands the game even more and more and more. So, I mean, there's just tons of options there. And like you said, it's not as much customization. I mean, there is the map editor, which opens up the game in a whole new way. Like, you can do so much with that thing. A whole new way. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think the content is also one of the best parts about this game. Yeah, not to mention the campaign. You know, we didn't really talk about that, but um, it took me about I don't know if this is an embarrassing number or not, but it took me about two hours to do the tutorial. And, you know, that was just a tutorial. And the campaign has, like, five... I think the, the base, base-ass, base old-ass AoE 2 has, like, five campaigns, I think. They have the Joan of Arc one, and then they have, like, a Genghis Khan and some, like, yeah South Asian one. They, they have, like, five, I think. Um, but I imagine that those would take just as long, if not longer. Uh, you said that they can be quite difficult, so I imagine that would tack on a lot of extra time. So, uh, and I mean, that's totally separate from multiplayer, from the map editor, from the random games. Like, there's just a ton of shit to do. Yeah. I wrote down hella good, long, and challenging campaign. You know what else <laughs> is hella good, long, and challenging? This. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Got him. Censor me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the last thing I have to say about content, really, I didn't have all that much to say because it's all like lists of stuff basically <laughs> but um the presentation of the campaign i know i've talked about this already but i just want to end on this note for me in my side of the story that i was really impressed with what i saw from the campaign so from the audio and the visuals i've already talked about that but just want to say it once more really a fan of that yeah i going into this i knew that would be one of your favorite things about it Hell um yeah. i wasn't sure how you would feel about just you know the d- different modes and just kind of playing the game in a standard way. 
I figured you would favor more of the campaign, and I would figure more. I would favor more of the, uh, the just the, just doing random shit basically. But I think we both just kind of overall really like the game and its content. And it's kind of weird to talk so little about the content and just be like all of it's just super good, and then be able to talk about it all pretty quickly. But I mean, I mean it's just all there's a lot to do. And little to say about it, and it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, which is like, which sounds unflattering actually when you say yeah. it like that. But, but I mean, that's the way this game is. It's like a game where, I mean, to to reiterate an earlier point, like Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's a game where like the game is what it is, and the rest of it is just. I mean, except for the campaign, the rest of it is just like themes and variations. Yeah, like there's no. I mean, there is the historical aspect of the campaign, but there's no like huge storyline that you're constantly working towards. It's not an RPG where you're like buffing a character over time. Like it's just not that kind of game. So I think we can and have talked quickly about the content, but in a way that is fair to it, I think. Yeah. We've all played a game that the base foundation of the game is so good and addictive that we we could play that that game over and over and over again. But then the game that we are playing goes above and beyond and just sprinkles a lot of flavor over it and you're like, oh this is like the best dinner I've ever had kind of thing. Like, yep. this is the best spaghetti I've ever had. It's so simple because it's spaghetti, but freaking, I love all the extra stuff they did with the spaghetti. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you got your AAA games nowadays that are like some, I don't even eat fancy food, so I couldn't tell you what, I don't know. Battle Royale shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the, oh. you know, the, the super cinematic game. Oh, like yeah. Where it's always, you know, I mean, some of, them are, some of them are really good, <laughs> Last of Us. <clears throat> but, like, <laughs> you know, it, it's just a different type of entertainment is what it is. And, that's, and that type of entertainment is maybe something you have to talk more about exactly what happens when and where and how and why and for whom. But here we just talk about, you know, you're playing a game and the game is amazing and that's it. You know, yep, case closed. that's all there is to it. So that being said, hey, let's give our ratings. Yeah, I gave it a zero. Oh, shit. Well, I gave it a <laughs> negative 20. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always have to try to one-up me. <laughs> or in this case, one down you. 20 down. Ooh. <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's, uh, let's give our ratings. I will go first. I gave it, drum roll please, <laughs> a 95. Yo, I also gave it a 95. Yo, dude, we were pretty much in sync there. I didn't, wow, I didn't expect that. We're always in sync. That's true. Can I ask you quickly, uh, what would have pushed this game to 100 in content? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I guess I would say if it wasn't so reliant on DLC, kind of expanding a little bit more of that. Although there is a lot to do with just the base game. The DLC opens it up so much more that it's just kind of like, oh man, I wish... And I, I know I'm asking for a lot here because it's just things that they've added on to the game over time. But Yeah. Um, Knowing how much the DLC opens up the game, I have the DLC. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, I, com- I kind of compared it to other games, and I was like, okay, how would I rate the content? And on, obviously, it's very, very far up there. I don't think many yeah. games are above it. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I just don't give things hundreds for the sake of not giving it a hundred, because I'm like, there's no way <laughs> this is perfect, right? Right. It couldn't but, uh, be perfect, It right? can't be perfect, Except for Celeste, best game of all time. Right. Um, yeah, so are we ready Number to Number crunching go time. Yeah, do it. All right. Hello, ladies and gentle frogs. <laughs> we are back with the numbers that have been crunched so good. <clears throat> Just the way Kevin does it. I know. Um, so to recap my scores, I gave gameplay a 90, visuals an 85, Audio in 85 as well. That was very easy to average into my aesthetics score of 85. Content was a 95. Big uh, big score up there. So my overall score is a nice, clean 90. 90, nice. So my scores are very similar. Gameplay was a 94. Aesthetic, or visuals was an 80. Audio is an 85. Bringing my aesthetic score to an 82.5. And then my content was a 95. That brought my overall to a 90.5. Um, so averaging our scores together would obviously be a 90.25. 
I know you love that score so much. I do. That puts our game uh, where I had it. I had it. it. It's, okay, 11th out of 26. So pretty, nice. pretty, good, pretty good ways up there. Yeah. For a game released 20 years ago, that's, uh, that's pretty good. Interestingly enough, right above Roller Coaster Tycoon. No. <laughs> and right below Cave Story. So it fits, fits nicely right in there, I think. It's, it's in that good area of games, our mid-range games, that yeah. are really solid games, but aren't cream of the crop, like uh, two Legend of Zeldas hanging at the top of the, the list there. Yeah, they're just like, hey, what's up, bro? Not much just being a Zelda game, how about you? Just being a Zelda game. Will we ever have a Zelda game that's not at the top? We'll see. One of Gamelon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope you've, you've all enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you haven't played Age of Empires, definitely give it a try, especially if you're into RTS games. Um, this is definitely a classic. You have to revisit. Two is allegedly the best one amongst the entire community. I've played three and one. Uh, and can tell you that 3 is a nice-looking version of this, but um, not as good of gameplay. And 1 also is like a worse-looking version of this <laughs> and not as good as gameplay. So I guess if I had to choose between 1 and 3... At the same time, though, 1's gameplay is better than 3's, right? But 1's gameplay is not as good as 2's. So there's this whole dynamic that's going on there, but I think I would want to play 3 just... If I'm going to play a game that's not as good as 2, I'd want it to look good. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. 3 accomplishes that goal for me. You know, I think that Roller Coaster Tycoon has pretty much the same breakdown for games 1 through 3. Really? Two, yeah, 2 is considered the best overall. Uh, 3 is like a very... Well, 3 is crazy because it got full 3D and uh, changed the game. But gameplay, I think, was, was not as good as like too complicated. I rock RCT1 mostly, but that's just because of nostalgia shit. But uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about RCT as much as I would love to. <laughs> we already did that like a year ago or more, which is crazy to think about. Oh, um, man, yeah. <laughs> time flies. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. As Kevin said, go play the game. If you're at all interested, I would definitely recommend it. I have a lot of content yet to dig into, so I will do that once I have an ounce of free time. <laughs> so... Having said all that... Where can they find us, Pete? Well, I was about to say, <laughs> people can find us on Twitter at the IG underscore cast. They can find us on Instagram at some handle that I don't remember. Probably the same one. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. definitely true. <laughs> I, I can never remember. Um, you can find our website at uh, theinterstategamers.com. You can also find our database of games at uh, games.theinterstategamers.com. No, it's, it's, it's IGCast.com. What am I the saying? The IGCast, yeah. The, IG, the IGCast.com. Not a IGCast, but the, the IGCast.com. IG and that's also games.theigcast.com if you want to look at our breakdown. And not to forget our loving patrons who have supported us to this point. Don't know what we did to deserve you guys, but um, we'll list you off. My beautiful fiance, Katie Davis, of course. Ow. Ow. Um, Mallory Sutton, the homie. Ryan Everett, also the homie. Uh, you know what? These are all homies. Seth Webb. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it's like always the second person in the list is the homie. Everyone else is just whatever. <laughs> Seth Webb, uh, Simon Webb, and the boy Z-Link. Um, Z-Link himself. Z-Link Gaming. Go check out his new YouTube videos that he is now releasing. I, I know for a fact that some hot quality content is coming your way. So don't miss it. Mm, tell me about it. Speaking of hot quality content, we've been cooking up something special for you guys. I'm not going to disclose what that is, but I've been thinking for our patrons that I'm going to put like spoilers of that information onto the posts there. So if you become a patron, you will be able to see what we've been cooking up. So uh, stay tuned to the patron page if you want to see what that's all about. That is a good ass idea. Because yeah, I was because I was about to drop the news, but I was like, no, I'm going to let Kevin do what he do with the news. So I'm going to let he do what he do, and then when that thing is done, then it will be released to the public, and all of you guys can enjoy it. Um, but just know that it's going to be some good stuff. We've always got some ideas cooking around. Yes, we're very excited for our uh, live action television. Oh shit! I spoiled oh, it, Peter. 
All right. All right, we got to cancel the whole thing now. Delete the VOD. Sakurai fashion. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And until next time. Love you too, guys. Love you too.